Welcome back to another episode of Melissa Time. I'm Melissa, and here we are, face to face, nothing separating us except time, this screen, and the fact that I'm not real. But then again, neither are you to me at this moment, but you will be soon. You are going to manifest somewhere on the other side of this phone and see this being broadcast out to you from whatever app you're looking at it in. And that's the magic of not having to live in the internet, but being able to interact with it as an individual. And that's all going to change soon when the metaverse comes around and dominates Web3, apparently, the next iteration of the internet, the next evolution. Somehow we're being expected to evolve whether we like it or not. Just do it. Just evolve. Just grow a third arm. Never mind that you don't really need it and it doesn't even make any sense. How about just grow an actual headset out of your skull and then just live in it? How about whenever the headset that they're developing for Meta, the metaverse, Zuckerberg's little abortion of a baby, right? Little uh, malformed fetus of the future, whenever that instantiates, right? Whatever that happens, the metaverse, and he makes those headsets that I think are already on the way to being manufactured. When those come out, how about we just weld those to our heads and live in the fucking internet forever, trapped? Can you imagine how wonderful that would be to just have a constant Twitter feed hardwired to your fucking retina and never be able to look away? Isn't that amazing? You know what's even better? When the ads start coming in and then you just stare at ads and then you're just not able to use the internet until the retina reading on the other side tells you or tells the algorithm that you have completely watched an advertisement and then you can go on to reading about politics, whatever Kevin Sorbo's bitching about. Who knows what magical, whimsical options we're gonna have available in the future. One thing's for sure though, uh, there's no way out apparently. There's just no way out of it. Eventually, you're just gonna have to interact with the metaverse, whether you like it or not, which the interesting thing is some people think that, I don't know, that everybody's just on board with that and that they have no questions, no issues, no concerns about it whatsoever. You know, hey, it's a big party. We're evolving into something. Into what? I don't know. Something amazing. Evolution's always good, right? Always good. Right. When, oh, whenever uh, people in a small two insular village somewhere in, in the in sub-Saharan steppe, Africa somewhere, you know, get a little bit too inbred and then people start popping up with only two toes per foot. Hey, you know, evolution, baby. It's always good. Yeah. And I uh, can't wait to see what's going to happen with Web3. That's going to be great. Ugh, what the hell are we going to do? You know, the one thing, here's the thing. It's, it's not that, it's not that I wouldn't like to live in a world where you could immerse yourself in a separate world, 
whenever you want a digital world. And it's not that I don't think it's amazing that you can speak to anyone in that digital world from, from all over this world. They're just there. They can be there in an instant. And uh, all the, the possibilities that that brings. It's just that it's he Zuckerberg is going about implementing it in such a fink such a fink way i don't know how else to explain it he's a fink you know like that's like a 70s era word but it's the one that really defines him he's a fink fink let's see a contemptible person an informer a hired strike breaker. Oh, I guess that's where it comes from. A hired strike breaker. He ex he is exactly that. He is uh, a strike breaker. Everything that everyone's doing now, uh, quiet quitting, uh, flat out quitting, not putting up with substandard life quality while at work, right? He's coming on to completely break that and make everybody go right back to work. No excuses right? Oh, you're sick? Oh, well, don't worry about it. If you look atrocious, you can look like an avatar of anything you want in the metaverse. It doesn't matter if you have monkey pox. Just, just, tell, just show everybody like an actual fuzzy wuzzy monkey avatar instead. Hmm, I got monkey pox. But look at me. In the metaverse, I am a fuzzy little monkey. Don't you want to pet me? Let's have this Zoom meeting. And yeah, then there's that. It's like remote work was such a, an amazing revelation during the lockdown. All of a sudden it's like, Hey, we don't all have to go cool. Right. Something to look forward to. If anything, remote work stimulates the economy. It makes people who work at Arby's see a, a way out. A silver lining, right? You can save up capital, learn to code, and get a remote job. And then you never have to see any of these people again, really, right? Couple meetings, but you're never gonna have to be there. And that's awesome. And they can try to track you, and they, but you're doing whatever you want at home, right? You're coding, but then you're also making, you know, like, arts and crafts wire hangers for whimsical abortions that you sell on Etsy, right? Do-it-yourself abortions, right? Just little wire hangers, like bent into the shape of amazing little animals, like a giraffe, right? With a hook for a head. And that's wonderful stuff. But now, you know, that's not enough for these people, the people who run companies. It's not enough for corporate culture for people to just be productive remotely you can't you can't see them you can't make eye contact with them you can't demand their time in a way that actually kills them inside a little bit right we have to fix that we have to fix that god damn it we can't just let these people be home happy fulfilled surrounded by family no you stupid little shit that's idiotic right the only way to make a company run, everybody knows it, is to make everyone so afraid and anxiety ridden and servile through constantly bombarding them with your psychopathic CEO personalities. And you can't do that if they're working remote. 
they, they, and if they're working remote, they can't see you and you can't pop up behind them over their shoulder and breathe on the side of their face and say, Hey, so what have you, what have you been up to today? Oh, and then like give them a look of mild discontent, no matter what answer they give you, whether it's good or bad. Well, I mean, if you can't do that, then I mean, this person might actually, you know, evolve for real, like real evolution, internal evolution of the soul. We can't have that. We can't have that. We have to keep these people emotionally stunted and afraid because that's the only way they'll put up with working here. So what do we do, right? Let's make them become immersed in a digital world where it will always feel like you, management, are there and that they're there always, right? You have to make them feel like they're at work. Otherwise, what's the point? <laughs> it's not about getting the work done, right? It's about creating a generation of fearful drones. <laughs> Why doesn't anyone get this? <laughs> I don't understand it. That's the thing I hate about Zuckerberg. I mean, the whole thing, it's like all he's, he's, he's going about it through the corporations and making it about work work meetings right and it's and and it's so easy to do because these people are psychopathic they don't understand real human beings because they're all about work and industry they don't understand that somebody might want to just spend time with their family or that they have a family that they should have some emotional investment in that is actually a higher priority than their job no we can't have that that's what these corporations do. That's why whenever you work for a company, the first thing they try to call your your whole group of coworkers, right, is a team, is a family. We're a family, aren't we? Right? That way you can't prioritize your family over your family. We're both your family, silly, right? And we're the family that pays you. So you decide who you're going to prioritize, right? And it's like, these people are the fucking worst. These people are satanic. I my heart goes out to anyone that has to work in corporate culture and like isn't and doesn't fit in, you know? Like if you can't somehow subjugate your individuality to work in one of these places, I feel bad for you because your life is hell. Everyone else who can convince themselves that they're doing this to, uh, you know, pay for bills and send their kids to a private school, right? And that that justifies everything that they have to do and everything that they have to diminish about themselves to work there. Everyone who does that, hey, you know what? More power to you. You have, an, have a level of control over your internal reality that some people just don't. And so maybe that's a strength, I personally don't think so. I personally think that that's a form of being insane. Uh, I don't know. I think it. I think it's uh It's just you're a fink, Zuckerberg. That's my point. That's it. You're a fucking fink. You're a fink. Your contemptible hall monitor ass is trying to force everyone who works into remote work to go back to the living hell of having to constantly feel like you have to be somewhere to work. Shame on you. I don't know. It's like th these companies wouldn't be so bad. It's just that they are 
they make themselves so bad. I don't even understand why. Does it really help them reach their bottom line? I don't fucking think so. I think it's just a, uh, it's just that these people, they want to be CEOs. And if you want to be a CEO, it's because you like power, but you don't want to have to work for it, right? Not, and be likable like how politicians have to those idiots that's a different kind of mental disorder and you know you have to ingratiate yourself with people you have to actually make people respect and like you a little bit and believe some of the lies that you're saying if you're a politician not so with a ceo because you hold the purse strings you hold their health care in the palm of your hand right you just show it to them while you tell them what they're going to be doing for the next 2 weeks and why they're going to a retreat where you're going to do trust falls and talk about your feelings and blah 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 because it's family time it's family time and then they just have to nod yeah, as they see that that the healthcare that you're holding in your right hand and they have to go yeah yeah I'll do whatever you say please my kids need braces and you know one of them uh has leukemia so please for the love of god I'll do whatever you say Mr. CEO or Mrs. CEO losers these people suck and you know what half of them don't even contribute to this economy in a meaningful way. They contribute in that, you know, somebody's out there getting money, right? Somebody's out there trying to get money and employing people, but all, most of these companies are scams. They're shell companies, the Silicon Valley ones, they're complete scams. They have products that don't matter, that aren't relevant that don't contribute anything that have no no they don't contribute a product that has any real value to society they're just out to get money and you can always tell which companies those are if you're working for one because they always try to rope you in as an employee in ways that manipulate you emotionally they say like they love you they this they send you presents they send you shitty food that's another thing the shitty food company that caters exclusively to Silicon Valley companies company like those caterers. I mean, they, they have to be in cahoots with these CEOs, with these managers, with these HR heads. They have to be, they have to be because the food is so terrible, so God awful too much. It's like none of the food that these companies send you for free, it makes it sound nice on paper. It's like, oh, we'll send you free food and then we're going to have a little party over here, right? But when you get the box, it, you have to throw 90% of the box away because the food sucks. The the the, the cookies are, are too sugary, right? The, um, the snacks are bullshit. You know, they taste like cardboard. They'll send you... Dude, I saw... Uh, I got a box from one company that I worked for and it's like, we, we got a, uh, we had a marshmallow, a toothpick and a tea light candle. And we were expected to all sit around in the zoom meeting and like roast the marshmallow over the tea candle just to have a little campfire session with each other remotely over zoom. It's, it's, it, it's from the devil. Do you understand? It's from the devil. It's a, it's torture this is this is the new dark ages when they look back on now 
they're gonna this is gonna be considered torture sitting in your little room right just uh hunched over a toothpick speared marshmallow trying to roast it evenly on a tea light candle while you also try to look like you're having fun to 10 to 30 other people that are online including your boss right that's that's hell that's emotional mental hell and the thing about that is with the metaverse that hell will now be something that you're not just looking at through a two-dimensional screen now it's something that you're going to be forced to be immersed in because the CEOs across this nation want metaverse because it's it's one of the it's going to be such a promising new way new progressive way to force you to submit to their will you know what i mean in all these tiny little ways they make you sign agreements and and that's that's the twisted thing about this this culture corporate culture it's it's fucking evil and it's not for people who who have trouble lying to themselves that's really the gist of it if you can't lie to yourself you can't work for these companies that's it you can't spend 40 years until retirement just lying to them to yourself to yourself in the mirror to your children to your wife you know or husband it's uh it's awful it's awful truly is i don't know man it's so twisted like even that's what people don't understand about like even so-called woke culture right even uh even that who you know whatever the the actual result of that culture is in the in you know the broader society that we live in the, the effect of it and, and the reality of it, whatever that is, right? When it's implemented via a corporation, it takes on just the just evil dimensions of that, that, that I don't think anybody who's an activist could even imagine, you know? It just, it, it just becomes another way to force you to submit to the will of the head of HR, the head of the company, you know, and like various like management who think that they are climbing a ladder to something, but really the ladder's upside down and you're climbing your way down into the seventh circle of hell. Okay. So, and that's for traitors, traitors to humanity. That's what I have to say about that. But anyway, I don't know, man. I just don't, I don't know. You know, I mean, there's, there's good news out there also. It's just the metaverse is so anxiety producing because who knows which direction it's going to go? Who knows what's going to happen? But I don't know. I try to read good news too. I try to read the stuff that's a little more uplifting or a little more positive. And, and that's, that's not hard to find. You know, you can find whatever you want. Google it. But like, uh, there's this local vodka maker manufacturer here in Austin. It's Tito's Vodka. And, um, I think in the news today, yeah, I think this is like today's news. Basically the company footed the bill for the export from Puerto Rico of about 300 stray cats and dogs that had no homes over there. And they just exported them to the mainland and, you know, they're going to start giving them out for adoption. I think they already have 30 up for, 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 
going to new homes and all that stuff. And that's great. And, um, it's basically, you know, they're doing it ahead of hurricane season. You know, you don't want all these animals to just get swept away to sea because they're going to be homeless. I mean, the homeless situation for pets in Puerto Rico is insane. I mean, they're basically living, they're living the dog version of, uh, flash master of the universe, right? Every dog is trying to be flash. They have to fight each other in the street, right? There's like winged chupacabras coming at them. There's all kinds of, uh, you know, crackheads trying to eat one of them or whatever, right? And uh, they're fighting each other for dominance. They're basically living some weird pseudo wolf existence, but not really because they're dogs, right? So they're just feral fighting each other, scurrying around, just trying to get food, right? And uh, I think that the animal shelters over there have like a 96% kill rate. So they just euthanize pretty much all of them. So this is a nice thing. This is a wonderful, nice thing. I think a lot of people hate when, when anyone helps animals, they have some kind of grudge about that whole thing. But I understand that to some degree. Yeah, like why not put all your resources into helping people who are disenfranchised or whatever. But I think the other argument about animals is totally valid also and and really merits more consideration than those people give it because animals can't speak. They can't advocate for themselves, right? That's something that humans have an advantage over them with that they don't have. So... They lived in existence for centuries alongside us, slowly evolving to basically become our emotional slaves. They're born loving us or wanting to be around us, at least in the case of dogs. Cats, I don't know, maybe they're still doing reconnaissance to try to dominate us one day. Who knows with cats? You don't know. They're like little murderers, psychopaths, I don't know. But they're cute, so they can stay. But dogs are... are basically bred to love us and to to just leave them abandoned on the streets they're they're conscious right they have pain and feelings and anxieties they have ish they have a lot of a lot of what they have um is is a is a is a level of consciousness that allows them to suffer uh, at levels that we can relate to at times. So why wouldn't you help them? And I mean, most animals, or mammals at least, do. So to not want to help them when you can, I mean, I think that's just shitty. I think it's shitty when people begrudge anyone who's helping animals on a mass scale. I mean, what do you want, you know? You want to be put in a kennel and given up for adoption? Is that what you're suggesting? So... I mean, go for it, I guess. You could do a program where the where poor people just get adopted into homes. But then what, right? The, the difference is, is like you adopt a dog. A dog can't just steal all your shit and then head back to Skid Row where you found him, right? And then uh, stab you in the neck while you're sleeping, and all, right? So it's just, uh, it's just a sure thing, right? You If you can help in a thing, in a situation where it's a sure thing that you'll be helping, you should do it. And and with dogs and cats, I mean, that's, that's basically it. It's a sure thing, right? 
All that person that adopts a dog has to do is not fuck it up. Care for it, right? Give it some food. You don't even have to give it equal treatment to a human. You don't have to send him to school, right? You don't have to get him a lawyer when he uh, gets pulled over for a DUI, right? But if you adopt a shitty human, you know, all bets are off. You got to sleep with one eye open. You don't know what this person, all these damaged people, you know, they're fucked up. It takes a long time to, to get fixed. You can't just adopt somebody and then hope that that's going to work out. There's, uh, there's other stuff for them, which is available, but a lot of people run away from help for a long time before they actually turn towards it. So I don't know. It's just infinitely more complex. It's, uh, and also, you know, some people aren't worth saving compared to some dogs, right? Like if you had a choice to save, uh, someone who, okay. If you had a choice between a dog who is, uh, a golden retriever, the glossy fur, very intelligent, sensitive animal, obedient, easy to train, right? Uh, that has skills already, let's say. A golden retriever who's been trained to lead the blind and also uh, find kids in wells or some shit, right? Smell drugs. I mean, there's the, the skill set that you can teach dogs is, is pretty fuck. it's useful. And, uh, and you have a choice between that dog and someone who pretty much spend his whole twenties smoking meth and stealing money out of his mom's purse and, uh, maybe touched a kid. I mean, who the, who you gonna, I would choose the dog. I would choose the dog because that person had consciousness and they completely took it for granted. Not only that chose to use it to hurt people. It's like, come on, come on. Some of these people compared to some of these dogs, you got to go save the dog. The dog can go, you know, help a lot of blind people, can help a lot of kids in wells, right? This other person is a pedophile. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? You should probably help them too, though. Everyone should be helped. Everyone should be helped all the time. And in a perfect world, that's exactly what would happen. And, you know, even though it's not a perfect world, people are trying. People are trying to help everybody. They're trying to help uh, shitty people and they're trying to help nice dogs. It just so happens that uh, people like reading news stories about people helping a bunch of nice dogs. What are you going to do? you going to get jealous? It's weird when you get jealous of a dog's good fortune. That's a strange thing. You know? You don't get jealous... If a kid with Down syndrome gets adopted, right? That's a wonderful thing. You can get mad because he's what? If a white kid with Down syndrome gets adopted, you're going to get mad at him because it wasn't like a black kid, regular black kid. I don't know. Why would you? Everyone should be helped. And if someone's helped, that's great. You know what I'm saying? Maybe we should ha have minority kids that are orphans all act like they have Down syndrome. That way they'll be closer to dogs and maybe people will be like, oh, and like adopt them more, right? Just act like they all have Down syndrome. Tell them to act like they have Down syndrome. Pretend. But whatever. I'm glad these dogs are getting adapted. That's pretty cool. Uh, Yeah. Other than that... What's going on? I mean, I could probably stand to adopt a dog or two. 
I don't know how. Gene also wouldn't want a dog. He barely wants a cat. He has a cat. We have a cat. It's my cat now. But, you know, I let him pet it sometimes. Uh, I don't know, man. I, uh, I've been working on pull-ups. I'm doing this Russian fighter pull-up program. And, you know, it's something to do between everything else I'm doing. It's a good way to let off some steam when you're stressed out, working out. So whatever, just set a challenge for yourself. And I did that with this Russian fighter pull-up program. So basically it starts you off with six pull-ups max. And then you do six, five, four, three, two. And then the next day you do six, five, four, three, three. And then the next day you do six, five, four, four, three. And then so on in that kind of numerical um, uh, progression. So right now, and then the following week you start at seven, right? So first week you started at six, next week you start at seven. So currently I'm up to eight and I can, so I can do eight pull-ups and um, I'm trying to get to 10, which is difficult. Fun to try though. I don't know. It's a good way to help me focus. I have issues with focus, focusing on stuff. So working out in, in high intensity strength training stuff, it's a, I think it's a good way. It makes my brain feel a little more unstuck. My brain always, if I, if I don't stimulate myself with some kind of like social interaction or I'm not out, if I'm not doing comedy that night or something, I, I feel it the next day. My brain just feels like it's stuck to the left side of my head. Just gotta, like I have to get a spatula and scrape it off the side of my skull on the inside. And um, working out is kind of a way to do that. Maybe because moving around and stuff makes makes me feel like my head is shaking around and gets unstuck. I don't know. It's weird, dude. It's weird because... I have no excuses anymore. I don't drink. I don't do drugs currently. So now it's like I'm grappling with issues that are my own, not caused by anything or anyone. It's just me. That's really difficult to deal with. When you stop drinking and you stop fucking around and then you try to focus on something and, and get your life together and all that stuff, all of a sudden, like the your real problems start to come out, and now you have to figure out a way to overcome them, and that's hard because especially if you were running away from them for like fifteen years, like me, and uh, trying to drink away your anxiety, and then it doesn't work, and then you're like, all right, well it's time to another tactic. Maybe I should just do stuff, and then all of a sudden, you're like, oh, okay, I have social anxiety. And now I have to go learn to talk to people again. It's different because the social skills you learn when you're a raging drunk is just yelling at people's faces, yelling that you like them very much and you would like to follow them on social media or something like that, right? You just yell about whatever. You you act extremely excited about minor things that they bring up. Oh yeah, one time I did skydiving. You did skydiving. Oh my God, I love you. Right? And so drinking is so good for that kind of stuff. I don't know. It's They call it a social lubricant, but 
I don't know. Really, it's just social retardation so that you can get to a level where you're just interested in everything about somebody. And that is a different social skill set than what you have to learn when you're actually sober talking to somebody. And I never learned that. The last time I had a sober conversation with somebody consistently with people in my in life, right, was probably when I was friggin' 14. And so I'm at a 14-year-old's social skill level, and I have to build up to an adult somehow. And uh, I don't know how to do it. I don't know how to do it. I think I'm partly just going to be stuck this way. And uh, I don't know. That's just how it's going to have to be. Hopefully people will put up with it. I just, I say things abruptly. I walk away from conversations uh, in a weird way. And, uh, and I don't know how to say hi to people. So I don't know. I'll just wander around and until somebody finds that endearing enough to be my friend. And I think it has happened a couple of times. No, no, do you have any issues with that? You got any problems socializing? I hate socializing. I just, you know what it is? It's, it's like initial socializing always means it requires small talk. And that's the one thing I hate the most. I hate, I hate small talk. I like talking about existential dread and internalized anger and uh and and weird crazy shit i like talking about you know like what do you what do you think god is huh do you think that's he's like a separate entity outside of us or do you think it's a very interesting and potent aspect of our consciousness that helps guide us through this life which is it I'm of the latter opinion, but open to anyone who thinks the other way. I just want to hear what people have to say. So far, no one's convinced me that it isn't that, but you know, that's what I like to talk about. And so it's hard to dampen that, you know, and like put that in a little box just long enough to kind of just have some superficial conversation about nothing. I I just can't. And some people, all they want to have is that kind of conversation. And that doesn't necessarily mean that they're lacking in anything. Some people are very intelligent and they hate talking about deep shit and they just want to have fun with words. So it's not really about anything that condemns their personalities. It's just, I don't know, dude. Although, I don't know, playing with words is fun too. But yeah, so I guess I'm not even talking about those kind of people. Yeah, I just hate small talk. I just hate it. That's why I sit in a closet and talk to myself for 40 minutes every week. So I can just, so I can lead the conversation and talk about what I want to talk about and, uh, and see if anybody's interested for once. It's the only way. It's the only way. It's an experiment, this sitting in this closet talking about what I like to talk about. Because if anybody's interested, they'll come back. Maybe they'll talk to me about stuff. And, uh, if nobody's interested, then I guess, uh, that's, I should, I should just keep just talking to myself about this stuff and never share it, never share it with the public, but I don't know. I'll keep trying to get out there and socialize. I don't know. I, I can't tell if I have, I don't know, man, cause if I'm having a good time, 
I don't feel like I want to just go home. It's just that most of the time I'm not having a good time. It's just this anxiety producing situation where somebody has a plan for an outing and then you have to pretend that you're having a good time. And that's just, that's way too much work. And then other people need your facial expressions to confirm their good time. So that's exhausting, right? When they look at you like every five minutes and they raise their eyebrows, right? And you're supposed to like also raise your eyebrow and laugh or something. And it's like, can we just look at each other? You know, I don't even know what's happening right now. I don't, do, are we bonding? You know, what's going on? But not everybody's like that. And uh, and that's cool. Yeah, but if I'm having a good time, I don't mind. I'll stay out. It's just that most of the time I'm not having a good time. Most of the time people are pretending to have a good time. And that's where the alcohol comes in because being drunk is what makes you retarded enough to think that you indeed are having a good time. And so you put up with subpar entertainment or, you know, subpar company. And I just, I just don't want to do that anymore. I just don't. That's it. It's over. I'm just going to be baking and writing and working. And that's my life. This weekend, I'm going to make an apple pie. So I got to get all the ingredients together, which is mainly just lots of apples and butter and sugar. Apples, butter, sugar. And that's it. So that's my weekend plans in addition to stand up and all that crap. And that's the end of this podcast. So I have ranted about Metaverse for a while and other stuff. And that's it. And I'm out of here. So... Thanks for listening. I will talk to you again next week. Stay tuned. And thanks for, you know, following through, listening to the whole thing if you did. And I appreciate it. Like I said, you don't have to. You don't have to do that. And the fact that you did is awesome. And I'm really glad if you did and if it meant that you were into what I was talking about. I'm really glad that you did. And please do it again. Come back. Have a conversation. You know, talk to me you like and if not just fucking listen in the shadows listen to me in your own closet and then we can feel closer to to each other so yeah uh listen like subscribe you know you know what to do and come back again soon all right i'll talk to you then thanks for listening bye